This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, this week we're going to be talking about virtue signaling, okay? So you may have not heard that phrase before, but if you've been paying attention to anything in modern culture, modern politics, or modern society, you may have heard that phrase being thrown around. So virtue signaling or moral posturing or something like that. But essentially what virtue signaling is, is it's publicly expressing your opinion or viewpoint but fully with the intent of showing your superior morality or character to everybody else around you, okay? So we see this a lot in politics. We've seen it come up a lot, even recently in entertainment, and now we're, we're even seeing it in sports, which used to be kind of sacred ground that nobody would trample on. But yeah, it's all over sports now as well. And it's it's kind of this very nefarious thing that people are doing to where it's just like, hey, everybody look at me and see how awesome I am and how virtuous I am. Everybody look at me and rain down praise. It's kind of something that we see a lot now and it's just it's a really weird phenomenon and I don't know where it started and I don't really I you can't really like point to a time in history where virtue signaling began but it's just an incredible thing that it's so prevalent now and it probably has a lot to do with the ubiquitous nature of social media and how easily somebody could can virtue signal on certain things um and it's just kind of an epidemic it's gotten to an epidemic proportion to where everything like every news story every entertainment thing like there's there's always a side to be on and there's a side not to be on so so uh, and it's in a it's in a myriad of different major areas as well like so if we look at cultures culturally so like race relations so people made the movie black panther about race relations so it couldn't just be a marvel movie that people enjoy because they enjoy marvel movies or because they like you know action movies or they like superhero movies it became a statement that if you went and saw this movie, somehow you were you were woke or it, it like ex- expressed something to you uh, in terms of gay rights. You know, you have to express how excited you are about the fact that Will and Grace is coming back to television and what that means for modern society. Um, I guess you could look at transgenderism. And so we saw a lot of posturing and virtue signaling around the quote unquote courage of a guy like Caitlyn Jenner coming out as transgender, something like that. Uh, abortion would be another one. So you're you're sharing Planned Parenthood tweets and trying to to say things about people that are on the anti-abortion side, but it's just pick an issue, pick a hot button issue, and there is plenty of virtue signaling to go around. So um, one thing that I wanted to get into in terms of virtue signaling is also we're still in the middle of the gun debate. So I did that, that podcast a couple of weeks ago now about the gun debate, and it's really just continued constant uh, with a lot of the ridiculous things being said, a lot of the things that are untrue being just espoused from the mouths of television anchors and things like that. But essentially, the side of the issue you were on, if you were on you know, if you said something anti-gun or anti-AR-15, because we know that's an evil weapon, if it's an anti-Second Amendment or you said something that was anti-NRA, you were a hero. You got thousands and thousands of retweets on Twitter. You got thousands of thumbs up on Facebook and all that type of thing. But you just got to signal your vir- virtue to everybody. Uh, some of you remember the CNN town hall debate that they had um, after the shooting in Parkland. And it was just, it was a crap show. It was ridiculous. So you had Senator Mark Rubio and Dana Lash uh, from the NRA. Uh, she was up there. And it was just basically, let's take turns bashing these people who ha- really had nothing to do with what happened in Florida. Right. It was just like, you know, there's blood on your hands. You even had that student that likened Senator Rubio to the murderer that that did the mass shooting. Um, Then you had the news media continuously putting on anti-gun students while completely ignoring pro Second Amendment students. So people that were in the Parkland shooting or were on campus that day, um, if they were on the anti side, I mean, they just can't be on television enough. Um, 
all the major late night talk show hosts basically were virtue signaling, talking about, you know, basically how much they care because they're on the anti-gun side. You have businesses even like Dick Sporting Goods saying that they won't sell assault style weapons like they can't even define what that means, but they won't sell assault style weapons at all. And they won't sell guns to people under the age of 21. Uh, And the same thing with Walmart. They kind of followed suit there. Um, The interesting thing about the virtue signaling on the gun debate is the virtue signal, the the person who's signaling rather is they're essentially saying if you disagree with my point of view on the gun issue, then you're a child murderer, right? Like it's, it's just a crazy thing that they're saying. And, and I'm still waiting to be honest, as a little side note, um, obviously I I've said where I stand on the gun debate issue. I did an entire almost hour long podcast, or I think it was over hour long on this issue. And I've sent it to people that disagree with me. And I said, hey, listen to this podcast and then follow up with me. Let's have a discussion. Like, we don't have to have a debate. We can have a cordial discussion where we can agree to disagree at some point and still shake hands and leave as friends. And it's so funny because these people that are virtue signaling, talking about how great they are for being anti-gun, don't want to talk to someone like me who's educated on the issue and just wants to have an honest discussion. That's the thing with this virtue signal culture is everyone's like, look at me, look at me. Like, we just need to start the conversation. We need to bring awareness to this. But the moment you want to continue the conversation and bring even more awareness to the truth of the issue, then it's like, ah, that's off limits, right? So the gun debate has been right up in, in the middle of everyone's face. But then there's also the, the Me Too movement, right? So that, the hashtag Me Too movement, uh, there's been a ton of virtue signaling there as well. So if you're not familiar with that movement, that was a hashtag that went viral in October of last year of, of 2017, that is. And it was in response to sexual harassment in the workplace. So mainly from men's men toward women, obviously. Um, And it came on the heels of the Harvey Weinstein allegations and really the revelations about him. uh, Once it became to the forefront, this is when this whole Me Too movement began. And so Weinstein, if you're not familiar with who he is, he's he's a major or was a major Hollywood filmmaker. uh, But also he was a heinous sexual assault abuser, right? His behaviors sexually were just absolutely horrifying, right? And we've seen plenty of those stories. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Google. It's literally all over the place. But the thing about the hashtag, the hashtag me too thing, it started as a way to signal to others that you have been harmed too, that you had suffered some sort of wrong at the hands of a, of a sexual predator or someone that really took advantage of you sexually. And that was the point. And it was a very, very positive point. Like, how could that not be positive? It's like, you know what? You may have been silenced and you may have felt like you couldn't speak up. And then all of a sudden with, you know, a hashtag and, you know, five letters behind it, you, you were good to go. Like you, you felt like you were part of a community and that there would be healing there. But it's kind of gotten out of hand now. So there's been plenty of stories of people that have claimed to be part of Me Too, but I haven't actually suffered anything themselves. Um, it's it's mainly just an opportunity for people to be like, hey, look at me. I am so progressive and I'm so advanced that I'm part of this movement as well. So you saw at the Grammys, uh, I, I guess people were wearing all black clothes, so black tuxedo, but also black shirt, black tie. Uh, in solidarity for the Me Too movement, there were uh, no male presenters at the awards because apparently that, you know, Uh, fought the patriarchy or something like who knows. Uh, But interestingly enough, uh, the reason why I even was going to do this podcast, this wasn't even the the subject matter I was going to discuss this week, but the Oscars, uh, the 90th Oscar awards were our Academy Awards were this last Sunday. Right. And so, I mean, you could have basically not called it the Oscars and called it the social justice warrior virtue signaling Olympics. Like it was just like, 
Okay, we get it. And and probably the the reason why this became like the lowest rated Oscars of all time. I mean, there's been 90 of them. This is the lowest rated of all 90 was probably because people were expecting this to happen, right? They were expecting a lot of this to to kind of go on, which basically a lot of people from stage are just going to be, you know, bashing our current president and bashing anyone who disagrees with them because we all know nothing says courage quite like being in a room full of people that think exactly like you do in saying something that they all already agree with you on <laughs> like that's but that's kind of what the night was so the night started with jimmy kimmel the the host uh, calling for all of these people in this room to be activists so they can't just be people that do make pretend on film like they have to be activists somehow um and the thing that's very interesting as a little side note is all these uh hollywood elites and millionaires are sitting in a room that's being protected by a bunch of good guys with guns on the outside so that's cute but we'll we'll i'll digress and go back in but uh what's interesting about that body so let's talk about that body of people that were in hollywood basically pointing at themselves for how uh, advanced and progressed they are uh, basically on the favor of culture right um this body you know kind of disinvited ryan seacrest from the event because of some alleged sexual assaults uh casey affleck apparently was going to be presenting an award that evening but he was you know disinvited or not allowed to present the award because of some alleged sexual assaults assaults um but this is also the body of people right hollywood hollywood elites that stamped out you know harvey weinstein or weinstein from hollywood existence right they 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 just completely dispelled this guy so it's like oh man like this is the group right this is a group that's gonna you know drain the swamp to steal from trump but like this is a group that's gonna get that done but all the posturing around this issue kind of begs the question which was where have all of you been for the last several decades like where you been hollywood like you just want to point at yourself right now for for how progressive and great you are but what about the casting couch? Like, if you're not familiar with the casting couch, this was like a phenomenon in Hollywood, and it was just kind of like this tongue-in-cheek joke between uh, amongst all those people there, which was a lot of roles have been doled out to women who basically doled out their privates to men who, you know, were funding the movies, right? You know, even Marilyn Monroe, there, there's references to her on the casting couch. Like, so basically give a guy a blowjob and you get a, you know, role in a movie, right? So where were all of you guys and all you people talking about Me Too and we got to protect our women during the casting couch stuff, which is not like a thing of the past. Like, I can't imagine it doesn't still happen, right? And then look look at Roman Polanski, all right? So Roman Polanski is a famous director, um, has done a lot of different movies. And in the 70s, in 1977, actually, he sexually assaulted a 13-year-old girl right? A 13 year old girl. And then when he found out that he was very likely going to have to serve a prison sentence for sexually assaulting a 13 year old, he fled the country and hasn't been back since. Right. But this same body of people that's pointing at themselves for how great they are and how much virtue they are or that they all have rather, um, they gave this man a standing ovation in 2002 when he won best director for the movie, the pianist. They gave him a standing ovation. A guy who admitted to sexually assaulting a 13-year-old girl. Standing ovation. Just virtuous. Just awesome. Right? And let's look at it this way as well. So let's go back to Harvey Weinstein a little bit. Um, uh, The LA Times, I think, reported this, but Harvey Weinstein was uh, thanked uh, during 1993 to 2016, I believe those were the dates, for, but from 1993 to 2016, Weinstein was thanked on stage at the Oscars more times than God was. Like, kind of by a considerable margin. Like, this guy made so many careers. Like, think of all the films that you've watched that are Miramax productions. Like, he founded Miramax, right? 
But here's the crazy thing, right? This entire time that Weinstein has been operating in Hollywood, everyone knew that he was a sexual monster. Everyone knew that. So the entire time they were saying thank you to this great man who's given him all the opportunities and gosh, I couldn't have done this without you and all that kind of stuff. They knew who he was. Like, this wasn't a revelation to anyone in Hollywood. It was only revelations to people like us that didn't know this guy personally. Because everyone who ever worked with this man knew exactly what he was about, right? So it's just, it's such a weird kind of discombobulated thing in these people's brains. Like many of the men and women in the crowd, so the people that work in Hollywood and do these movies, many of them made their careers by doing movies that had incredibly sexually explicit content in them. Right. Think about all the women superstars that, you know, some of their early roles. The only reason why they got those is because they were topless and usually like doing some sort of softcore porn grinding on top of some other actor. Right. Like many, many of these people have made their money, like all their big blockbuster movies were ones where gun violence was glorified. Right. Like think of all these people that are like, oh, we know we got to control guns, but it's like, well, not unless I got a Beretta in this, this movie, I got to shoot. Like, I guess I can do it then. Right. Well, if I need to use an AR because I'm doing a doing some sort of role that requires that, I guess that gun's OK then. Right. So it's, it's just such a weird thing. There's like this disconnect in the brain that they're signaling virtue, but then not acting upon it, which we'll get more to, more into that here in a second. But then let's go back to this whole group, this whole Oscar group, but really the whole film industry. There was kind of an awkward run up to the Oscars because of a movie called Call Me By Your Name. And there's no reason why you should even know that this movie exists, because much like much of the awards that were up uh, or the movies that were up for awards on Sundays, nobody's ever heard of them and no one's ever seen them. Right. But um, this movie was released before kind of the hashtag Me Too movement. So before October of 2017. But this is a story, a movie that is about an adult man engaging in a courtship and a sexual relationship with a minor. Okay, so in case you missed that, I'll repeat it. It's an adult man engaging in a courtship and then eventually a sexual relationship with a minor. That is the point of the movie. So regardless of cinematography, regardless of casting, regardless of directorial debuts or any of those types of things, that was the crux of the movie, right? Now, what did the critics say about such a movie? They called it Things, everything from masterpiece to instant classic, super important, groundbreaking, right? An adult man having a sexual relationship with a minor. But again, they can virtue signal here because the minor was a boy. And so they can kind of virtue signal to kind of the gay rights activist people or, hey, we're so progressive that this is somehow okay to do that because it's two men. Like, man, like... So, so Hollywood was just slobbering all over this movie and it was going to be getting all these awards, but then the Harvey Weinstein stuff comes out and oh, everything gets a little bit weird, gets a little bit awkward. So this movie kind of goes to the back burner, right? And so if you're Hollywood, you think, well, good, we dodged a bullet on that one. Like we all kind of went balls deep on this movie and thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever. And everybody could point to this and we could all be so great and so progressive but then they kind of shot themselves in the foot last night. So if you're watching it all, or, I mean, even if you weren't watching, even if you just follow like Bleacher Report or ESPN on your phone, everyone's getting updates about Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant won an Oscar last night. So he uh, he had a, a role in doing this documentary about kind of the end of his career. And so it was a little short documentary and the documentary ended up winning. 
So on the Me Too movement night, right? So this is like Hollywood telling everybody how we should feel about women and not silencing those women. Here they were giving an award to a man who paid off his sexual accuser, right? His sexual assault accuser paid them off millions of dollars to silence them. And there's, there's a lot of uh, details there that you don't really necessarily need to get into, but the, the reality of what happened there is Kobe Bryant paid millions of dollars to a woman that claimed that he raped her, right? But paid the millions, girl doesn't get to tell her story, she goes silent, Kobe Bryant gets to win a few more championships, now he gets to win Oscars and everybody thinks he's great, right? Gosh, it was just awkward. It was like right in the middle of this whole Me Too empowerment thing, we're just going to give an award to that guy? I mean, here's the thing is it was even with all this, that the virtue signaler here is essentially saying, if you disagree, disagree with my point of view on the me too movement, you're for the rape of women. And yet you, you give awards to people that raped underage girls, you know, athletes that allegedly, allegedly raped someone in a hotel room in Colorado. Like, is that really what we're going to do? So the thing is, is everybody wants to be celebrated for their virtue, right? Like, I mean, if you just think about it, just in a basic terms, we would love to be celebrated for our virtue, but we want it to be celebrated without any baseline understanding of what virtue is. Like we want to signal virtue without even knowing what it is. And so basically if we break it down to its most basic level, so if we go even back to the Greek, you know, whenever uh, Plato and Aristotle, when they were even thinking through what virtue is, it's moral excellence, right? Moral excellence. Now, a generation or two ago, Morality was pretty good to see or pretty easy to see, right? We kind of we kind of knew what morality was. There wasn't a whole lot of question of what morality was. But now in 2018, we live in such a pluralistic society that pluralism has caused issues with all morality becoming relative, right? So what's moral for you may not be moral for me. And what's moral for me may not be moral for the guy on the other side of the room, right? Um, so when we start looking at this, it was really the Romans that kind of really looked at virtue super intently in, in the, the word that they used in Latin was virtus. So, um, I found a, a little, a, a quick few sentences online that kind of, I thought did a really good job of summing up kind of the Roman political philosophy around virtus or, or virtue. So I'm going to read that here. Virtus comes from the aristocratic tradition in which it is a specific type of public conduct. It is really only applicable in the cursus honorum, certainly by the late republic at least. It is not a private virtue in the way that modern people might consider it. Valor, courage, and manliness are not things that can be pursued in the private sphere of the individual or the individual's private concerns. There could be no virtue in exploiting one's manliness in the pursuit of personal wealth, for example. Virtus is exercised in the pursuit in pursuit of gloria, which stands for glory, for the benefit of the res publica, so the public, resulting in the winning of eternal memoriam. Okay? According to D.C. Earl, outside the service of the res publica, there can be no magistratus, which is just magistrate, and therefore, strictly speaking, no gloria, no nobilitas, no virtus. So if you're not serving in a public capacity, according to this Roman philosophy, strictly there is no way you can be magistrate, you you can't have glory, you can't have nobility, and you can't have virtue. So there's a lot of questions that can come up here in terms of virtue. Um, but the one question that kept really bothering me was, can you have virtue and be an atheist? 
because again, we talk about, uh, you know, I know people who aren't religious, but they're really moral people, all that, you know, you know, people kind of get into that. But I mean, when you talk about virtuism or, you know, basically having virtue and being an atheist is, I guess you could say yes, that you could have virtue and be an atheist, but how do you define what's bad? So again, you're a virtuous atheist. How do you define what bad is? Okay. Because if you say there is such a thing as bad, you have to say there is such a thing as good, right? Like, you know, yin and yang or whatever you believe in, right? There, there's got to be an opposite side to bad, which we normally just call that good. But if you accept that premise, how do you answer the question of morality, right? If all morality is relative, of course, then whose morality will we base our virtue on? I mean, I think that's a really, really important question. If morality is relative, right? What's what's true for you may not be true for me. Then whose morality will we base virtue on? Especially if we're going to signal to it, right? Now, let's just say, what if there is a supreme morality out there, right? So we know certain things are wrong, right? They're just wrong, wrong, wrong. And we know certain things are right. Like no matter what, they're right, right, right. If there's a supreme morality out there, don't you think we could call that a moral law? Like maybe we have a moral law. And if so, can we say that there is a moral law giver? Because where does morality come from? That's one thing that these uh, evolutionary biologists and naturalists and, and materialists, they can't really explain is where did morality come from? Right. And I've talked about that a lot on other podcasts, so I'm not going to drill too much deeper in that. But it's just like, where do you get your next explanations for morality? Where do you get your explanations for good or bad? Right. But for us as Christian men, our moral lawgiver is God. Right. Like that is our moral lawgiver. And Jesus is our best example of virtue. Right. So the thing is, is in order to know good, you know, in the terms of, you know, good or bad or good and evil, in order to know good, there must be morality. Right. And there is no morality without virtue. And in turn, there is no virtue apart from God. That's what we believe. And that's the life that we need to lead. Right. So my encouragement uh, to the men of God listening to this is to be virtuous, right? Seek opportunities to be virtuous, but, you know, shirk the opportunities to point to it, okay? Because one thing we didn't see in the life of Jesus, who is our model, we didn't see a lot of pointing going on towards himself, right? Hey, everybody look at me. I need everybody to hear my story because if you hear my story, you're going to think, whoa, this guy is so awesome, like, that, that's not the point of it. He was doing it to teach people. He was modeling his life. There's a lot of hints in the Bible that Jesus was maybe a little bit shy. Like, yeah, he, you know, he did a lot of things in public because that's kind of how your ministry has to be. But he did get in seclusion a lot of times because he wanted to go be, uh, be with God and kind of have that, you know, that direct line with God, right? And so... For us as men, we need to look to Jesus as our example. We need to look to the gospel accounts of his life to see how the most virtuous man ever was able to just model virtue without pointing to it, okay? Because here's the deal, guys. If you actually have virtue, you don't need to signal it, okay? Now, before we wrap up here, guys, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry, and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, we do that by providing content to you all that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So uh, kind of a lighter subject matter for you today. I'm going to give you a little bit of a mental resilience boost. So there's a group out there called Wolf and Iron. They do, you know, podcasts and a bunch of devotionals and stuff for men. So uh, they did a... a uh, a uh, article called the manly virtues of Ron Swanson. 
So Ron Swanson is probably one of my favorite characters in the history of television. So he's on the television show Parks and Recreation. So uh, if you're a Netflix person and you have not seen that show, I highly, highly recommend it. It's some incredible acting and uh, just really good character development on all these people. And Ron Swanson's kind of like the the manly, simple, anti-government, libertarian, meditarian type of guy. And so that that's just it's. But it's a really well done article. So if you're familiar with who Ron Swanson is, you'll get a you'll get a kick out of it because of the different things that they talk about but even if you're not even if you have no idea what parks and recreation is you've never heard of that character or nick offerman the actor it doesn't really matter it's still some good uh, things that just kind of remind us how we can be virtuous so definitely check that out the link to that is going to be in the description as always thank you all for listening to this entire podcast please subscribe on itunes soundcloud or google play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media so if you use the hashtag undaunted life we will find it and make sure we like your post if we deserve a five star review please leave one right now we love five star reviews especially when we earn them so please do that for us we'd really appreciate it our website is www.undaunted.life you can follow us on instagram and twitter at undaunted life and on facebook.com backslash undaunted life feel free to check out our free devotionals on the Version bible app just search undaunted life under plans and we also want to thank the band august burns red for allowing us to use their music library for our content the intro outro track on this podcast is their song king of sorrow which is off their latest record entitled phantom anthem the links to all of this are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep cultivating manly resilience keep forging spiritual mental and physical toughness keep seeking the lion of judah